As a collegiate athlete, you undoubtedly have questions about the process of becoming an NCAA Division I hockey or football player. Who can help me? What are my options? Should I hire an agent? These are all great questions and there is no one-size-fits-all answer. As the best advice for each individual student depends on his or her unique situation. However, if you are thinking about signing with an agent, it's important to understand what type of agent is best suited for your career path and goals. In this episode, we will compare the two and help you decide which is best for you. If you are an aspiring young hockey player or a family member of a player with professional dreams, you've probably thought hard about hockey agents or family advisors. The process of applying for NCAA scholarships or seeking out scouts from professional teams can be a long and arduous one, and many families are not as well educated as they should be on the requirements. When it comes to seeking interest from teams, most people don't know where to start. This is where hockey agents or family advisors can be useful to a young player. You may have heard of each of these but might not be too sure what the differences are. While they perform similar duties and aim to provide comparable results, there are quite a few differences between an advisor and an agent. Learning about these two types of professionals can go a long way in helping you make the right decisions for your future. Hockey Agents Hockey agents are people who work with highly touted young players who are expected to be high draft picks in the major juniors. Agents negotiate future salaries and contracts with prospective teams. An agent works for future earnings, hoping to get a cut of the contract if they can land one for a player. If a player hires an agent, he or she can make decisions on behalf of the player as long as player or family has given him the authority to do so. Hockey agents are not allowed to represent a potential college athlete in the way that they would a professional or major junior athlete. NCAA rules bar players from signing with agents. This is where some of the major differences between agents and advisors come in. Family advisors. Family advisors have become increasingly popular in recent years because of these rules. The main difference between an agent and an advisor is that an advisor is paid based on a contracted rate with the family. Their earnings do not depend on the size of a contract that they might procure for the player in the future. Payment is agreed upon before the player even signs with or is recruited by a team. An NCAA player who is interested in furthering his career must work with a family advisor rather than an agent. There are many people who try to circumvent these rules, but if they are caught it could disqualify the player from playing in the NCAA. It simply isn't worth it to try to break the rules. The reason for this is that the NCAA does not want certain players to be receiving financial benefits that others might not have access to. Because an advisor works for an agreed-upon rate and does not make money for the player, that is the route that NCAA players must take. Hiring an agent is against the rules because it makes for an uneven playing field. Similarities and Differences Although agents and advisors work for different types of players and follow different rules, they still provide very similar services. They are there to give advice to young players who might not know exactly which teams or leagues they should be looking at. They can consult with the families and coaches of the players to offer insight on their abilities and talk about what the best path forward might be. Both the agents and the advisors have the main goal of furthering the career of their clients. 
advisors are there to help younger players who want to receive NCAA scholarships. They aren't necessarily looking to land a big paycheck for their client. Instead, they get paid by the player or the family of the player to help put them in a better position for the future. You can look at an advisor as the first step towards getting an agent somewhere down the line. They can give advice on how much a player might expect to earn if he goes pro. But they are not allowed to negotiate contracts or speak to professional teams about signing the player. Agents, on the other hand, are all about the big payday. They can speak with professional teams about signing certain players, and in turn can bring the offers to the players. An advisor might help groom a player to be ready to work with an agent. But the agent does the actual work of getting a contract and helping a player get signed. There are plenty of agents who care about the well-being of the player, but there is often a lot of money in it for themselves. Some people act as both advisors and agents, and may turn into an agent as a client of theirs has a chance to go pro. This is a fine line to walk, and they must be very careful not to break any NCAA or NHL rules. When to choose? As we mentioned, there is often a natural progression from needing an advisor to needing an agent. If you are a young player who is considering playing at the NCAA college level, your only option is to get an advisor as the rules don't allow for agents. You will agree on upon a rate and the advisor will help groom you to be scouted in the future. If, however, you are opting to skip college and play in the major junior circuit, you can choose either an advisor or an agent. They don't have as many rules regarding payment as the NCAA. Eventually, players who want to go pro will need to hire an agent, as they will be able to take care of negotiations and help you get drafted. Yes, they are looking to get a big payday for themselves, but that is based on getting an even more enormous payday for the players whom they represent. On the other, advisors and or agents might find you instead. Agents and advisors also scout and recruit as well. Let's know how to choose? What's becoming clear is that families and potential prospects need to be better educated about their options and how they should move forward. Here are seven rules that every prospect should know before going through the college recruiting process. 1. Proceed with caution. This first rule will be a recurring theme in this post. Don't jump at the first offer, whether it be a commitment to a school, choosing a family advisor or playing for a certain junior team. Listen to those around you and soak in advice from more than one source. Coaches are going to want you to play for their team and agents are going to want to jump on you before another agent does. Contrary to what some coaches, whether it be prep, junior or college, may tell you, that offer will still be on the table in a few days. If they're that desperate to have you in the next 24 hours, they'll wait a week. It's imperative you reach out to your current coach, trusted friends and parents who might have been through the process already, and others in the hockey community. It lessens the likelihood of being caught up in a scam from a midget or junior coach, or agent with their own agenda. 2. Family Advisors There are many great Nupu agents out there who scour the globe looking for the next great hockey player. Visit http colon slash slash www.nulpa.com slash inside nulpa slash certified player agents to find a list of nulpu agents. These agents make an investment in a player like many people invest in the stock market. They want to find the best players. 
They have great connections in the hockey world, from junior and NCAA coaches to NHL front office types. If an agency contacts you without a member of the so-called agency's staff being NLPA certified, proceed with caution, and probably don't proceed at all. It's likely that the agency is a sham and will do you no good. Google the agency. The following examples of negative traits can be found on websites of these so-called hockey advisors. If the agency's website is full of typos and grammatical errors, there is zero chance this agency can help you play college hockey or proceed through the youth and junior hockey process. That same agency with all the typos on its website lists a director of scouting who is committed to play Division Three hockey in the fall. It's a sham of epic proportions. Agencies that have staff listed as junior league scouts know that they might have an agenda. If an agent is a scout for a team in the QMJHL, do you think that agent will be as likely to push your son to play in the USHL as the QMJHL? Another agency counts a prep coach on its staff of advisors and consultants. The agendas work both ways. Do you think this agency is as likely to suggest your kid play for the Junior Bruins 16 new team as a prep school? If you, or your son, isn't good enough to be represented by an UPA agent, chances are you don't need an advisor. If a player somehow slipped through the cracks of the NUPA guys and is good enough, a college coach will find a way to contact that player. He'll inquire with the midget, high school or junior coach. Never trust an advisor who tells you that he's good at placing kids. It's absurd. The role of an advisor is to give players and their families pros and cons of each option. It is not to place kids into low-level junior teams. It's important to add that agents need an active NHLer to be NUPA certified so there are a select few agencies who do things the right way even if they aren't NUPA certified. Don't waste your money paying the lurkers in the dark at these showcases. Many of them are preying on your ignorance and will happily take your cash. 3. Specializing in Hockey A lot of people on Twitter get on their high horses and advise against specializing in a sport and playing too much of one sport. It's all too funny to see certain coaches speak out against summer hockey when they are being paid to work showcases, camps and district and USA hockey festivals. Talk about hypocrisy. If a player loves the game and wants to play year-round, let him. Tons of kids play AAU baseball all summer and fall. Some kids play golf all year-round. Some play summer AAU basketball. There is nothing wrong with having a passion and wanting to play hockey. Certainly, no player should be forced by a parent or youth organization into playing year-round and not being a multi-sport athlete if that's what they'd rather do. There is a certain useful franchise that has advised its 16 new and 80 new players against playing for their high school in other sports. That is wrong. If a player wants to be a multi-sport athlete, go for it, but it's just as wrong for those to suggest kids shouldn't specialize if they want to play just one sport. There's far worse things kids could be doing than playing hockey all summer. 4. The Myth of Showcases As was said, if a player just loves the game and wants to play all the time, no one should stop him. However, it's necessary to point out that many showcases aren't exactly that. Just about every school in the country sends coaches to USA Hockey National Camps. Select 17-16-15 in Amos, New York each summer. 
There are several other showcases throughout the year that are heavily scouted, but many are not. Most showcases will boast scout lists and brag about the number of NHL scouts and NCAA coaches in attendance. Just know, most of those coaches and scouts are only at these low-level showcases to watch certain players. If a player barely cracked his high school team, don't think playing in a watered-down showcase with too many teams is going to help his chances. It won't. It's a lot of money for nothing if the only goal is to get exposure. Only do it if it's for the love of the game. 5. Development Path The development path varies from region to region. There is no right or wrong path to playing college hockey. No matter how hard some midget and junior organizations try to tell you otherwise. Minnesota has the best model and it is why hockey has been so successful in the state. It's cheaper to play town hockey and for a public high school than shelling out thousands to play for select travel teams like many think they have to do in Massachusetts and the Northeast. Google the midget organization and see if they have produced Division I players in the past. If they haven't, chances are playing for your local high school is just as good an option. Graduate, and if good enough, play a year or two of junior hockey and see what happens. It's the player. How hard he works and how much skill he has that is going to get him to the next level. 6. Skills Coaches Growing up and living in Massachusetts, Paul Vincent is the undisputed best and the most respected skills coach in the region. There are other good skills coaches in the region, and in other parts of the country. The key is to choose wisely and not be deceived by skills coaches who are just into watching film and thinking they're experts of the game. In Massachusetts, there are skills coaches who work with the Boston Bruins or other NHL organizations in some capacity over the summer, and some of them played college hockey. Choose them over others who just are in it for themselves and to hear themselves spew their nonsense. 7. Social Media The best, and most succinct, advice is to be careful what you post on social media. This goes for both prospects and their parents. Never post anything that you wouldn't want your grandparents to see. Kids will be kids and everyone should have fun, but keep it to your circle of friends on the weekends and in the halls at school. Don't retweet vines, videos or memes that could be viewed as insensitive. There is a useful player that would have received a college commitment by now for his play on the ice. However, his Twitter account probably scares every coach away. His immaturity and priorities, or lack thereof, are on full display. Everyone is entitled to their own political and social views. That's what makes the world go around, but realize that what you post politically or socially could be viewed as great by some and bad by others. It's the risk you take if you get political on social media. Lastly, it's great to be a staunch advocate of your son. Every parent should support their child. Just don't do it on social media. Tweeting that your son should be drafted into the USHL won't make it happen. It's just downright embarrassing for all involved. Don't do it. It occurred in the days leading up to the USHL draft.